Before we recorded, I had a big cup of milk. You are the only person I know who just drinks milk. And what like about my cookies? Wow, you are 37 years old. <laughs> <laughs> You're just home eating milk and cookies like Santa Claus. What's Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, a show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Daddy Dearest. Daddy Dearest went 11 episodes with one season on Fox. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 5th, 1993. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags, with me as always, Joe... Gordo, Ferg, and not Nick this week. What's going on, guys? hey Hello. I feel like my pick this week may have been a flop in El Sacco. <laughs> I just got a question. Why do you hate me? Yeah. Who doesn't love Don yeah. Rickles? I choose show. I choose my shows, you know, to bring you all love, and you just you put this shit on me? You choose your shows because you know they'll be picked as a yes yeah. for everybody. It's a we- yeah, it's a weird method you have. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're going to dive into it. This show is interesting to say the least and as we get into it i will say i am not shocked that it only lasted one season no no i am if anything i'm more shocked that they gave it as many episodes as they did and i think out of the 11 i think only 10 got aired out of the 11 episodes yeah i read that there was one unaired episode yeah i will say this too though this very much kind of like was fox at this time like 1993 fox was just like we're going to make the raunchiest, edgiest sitcoms and everything. Like, that's what we do. That's our bread and butter. We're coming off of, you know, we're the people from Air with Children. We'll make sex jokes. We'll be edgy. And it, that's so not the way it is now. But, like, this is a place in time of, like, what the network Fox was like for maybe first 10 years. But I'll be honest. It's not the edginess that I didn't like about the show. Uh, it in Again, we'll touch on it as we go along. And I'm just going to assume that none of us have seen Daddy Dearest prior to this. No. But, Joe, this was your pick. Is there any particular reason that you wanted us to cover this show? Yeah, so I I forget what we did that had Richard Lewis in it. Maybe Curb? Curb. I think it was Curb had Richard Lewis in it. And I love Richard Lewis. And Don Rickles, I think, is one of the funniest human beings who's ever walked the planet Earth. So when we were doing that episode, I saw that this show existed. And again, we missed it in 1993. I didn't even know it existed, right? It lasted for one season. I was like, well, if nothing else, it's got to be interesting to see Richard Lewis and Don Rickles hang out for half an hour, right? So it was on my list for a while. And uh, honestly, one of those shows where I'm like, I always make the argument where I'm like, you have all this stuff. Just put it on a network. Put it on somewhere streaming. I don't think anybody would put this on a streaming network at this point. I think this one is going to be lost to time. Yeah, plus all the racism really spoke to you, right, Joe? Right. It's my huge racism bone that I have. This one, I mean, it's not even because of the content of the episode, but I just think on, like, name value alone, like, I am expecting this to be one of our most poorly performing episodes of all time. That being said, uh, for those of you who are listening, thank you very much, and be sure to go to s1e1pod.com, that's where you can find all the links to our social medias, so give us a follow over there. One thing I want to cover, um, so I try to look up the scores now for IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb, it only had like 10 user reviews, so it's a tough gauge. So it got like a 7.5 out of 10, 
but it's a very small amount of people that actually rated it. When you go on Rotten Tomatoes, there's no audience score, but the Rotten Tomato, like, tomato meter from the critics is a solid 7% out of 100. Wow. Solid C's, baby. Not, no, this is a 7 no. out of 100. Oh, 7? Not <laughs> 70. Oh, my no, land. No. I will say this, though. If anybody's listening to this right now and they're like, oh, I don't know, it's on YouTube. Like, you can find this episode. Yeah. We're not spoiling anything. And I highly suggest everybody gives it a watch because it is a very interesting moment in time. We're actually spoiling everything, Joe. That's what this show is. We, we literally dissect this show scene by scene. So everybody pause our episode and watch <laughs> yeah. it. But some people listen to some of our weirder shows, and there's not really a place to watch them. I like when we do a weird show like this, and it's it exists out there. You can actually go watch it. You know what I mean? I know I've talked to people before who've listened to episodes of our shows, and they've never seen the show. They just hear us dissect it or whatever. Yeah. But in a case like this, I, I would also suggest afterwards, take the 22 minutes and then watch the episode. I've never written the word fuck in my notes more than the last third of this episode. I'll show you my notes later. It's just like, quote, underline, fuck, underline, underline. Like, just keeps going. I'm like, I can't. They literally wrote the ending of this just to be like a Don Rickles roast, which is amazing and super funny. But wow, does it not play now? I would rather just watch Dirty Work if I want to see Don Rickles at his Hello, best. Ice Cream. Having a good time in there? <laughs> Making friends? <laughs> You're the personality of a dead moth. <laughs> Everything he says <laughs> in dirty work is so fucking great. So to, to get into the actual episode itself, it starts right with the intro. And for the theme song, we have Sing, Sing, Sing with a Swing. Um, it's kind of a very classic old It actually originally had lyrics to it as Sing, Sing, Sing. And then With the Swing was like the 1936 song. I believe that one performed by Louis Prima, Louis if Prima. I have that written down correct. Louis Prima. Yeah, Louis okay, Prima, so I'm sorry. That's the name of the song. Because yes. I know, like, we've all heard that. It killed me trying to figure it out. Like, I was trying to Shazam it on my phone, and, my, and like, it's like, we got nothing. I'm like, how? Like, this is that's a very, song. That's a very, it's yeah. a very present song. It's like the, the go-to old swing song. It's weird. Like, you can sort of see swing, like, in our lifetime as we were kids, like, swing coming up from the forefront. We were like... This is 1993, and then the next year is The Mask, where it's like all like the, hey, Pachinko. Yeah, I was going to say, there was that, and then like by a few years later, it was like, it, it, I was going to say, it had like the Cherry Pop and Daddies. There was like a little mini resurgence in swing yeah, music. Yeah, swinger, swing kids. Like, there was a lot of stuff. Like, all of a sudden, people were wearing fucking zoot suits, like a bunch of goddamn assholes. Was that like around this, like, was that? A few years later. A couple years later. Oh, okay, it was later than that. Okay. Yeah, it was more like I that, do like, remember that. mid-late 90s, yeah. Okay. What a weird yeah. resurgence. I know. Yeah. What a weird mambo. But we got mambo number five and uh, the scat man out of it. I think those were unrelated. Say, there's no correlation. <laughs> no, mambo number five. Definitely. I will say, though, one of my favorite jokes ever to say is if you're ever in a grocery store with somebody and or the convenience store or whatever, and you see like the packs of mambos, good setup for a joke. I can only ever eat four mambos. And then when someone says, why is it? Because after number four, it comes Mambo number five. And then you can start singing it. I've done it like 20 times. And every time I've done it, someone's fallen for it. See, I just pick up tuna and I go a little bit of tuna in my life. See, I can't not sing the office lyrics when I do it. I can't not sing a little bit of Roy eating chicken crispers. Like, it's just forever going to be stuck in my head that way. For this intro, to use a song like that, to, and it was just kind of a couple little still images of Richard Lewis and Don Rickles together. And then a few just shots of like New York. 
Can I just say how weird that portrait is to just have this over I it? I want a print of it so badly. Do you know how happy I was? The smile, I had like the Tim Curry when he reads stolen credit card in Home Alone smile <laughs> as soon as that picture of Don Rickles with his arm over Richard Lewis and Richard Lewis has his head in his hands all sad. That's a very findable, I could, I could send you the photo, I have it. <laughs> Joe, I'll autograph it to you from Don Rickles. <laughs> to Dave. To Dave. <sighs> I wish I got to meet Tom Rickles. So for the intro itself, using a song like this, how do you feel? I don't know if it worked for me. Like, I didn't quite understand how this was setting up the tone of the show. No, I mean, I guess I could see it trying to be, to emulate like a classic sitcom. My guess, honestly, it was probably public domain. And, yeah, just, all right, and yeah. they just didn't want to pay for songs. Plenty of, plenty of themes from that age like that. I mean, look at, look at Alf's theme, which is just random jazz. Alpha is another show like I thought we would cover by now. Yeah, although we haven't. But yeah. I just remember Children earlier, right? And that like that song makes the most sense, but it's also like an older, timey song. But they probably had to pay some decent money to get Sinatra song, a Sinatra yeah, song in there, well, you know? Yeah, they must have felt really strong about that show. They were putting all their money towards the Chevy Chase show. They couldn't give all the money to this show. At the <laughs> end of this episode, in the credit, if you watch the YouTube version we watch, which is, I assume, the only way on planet Earth you'd be able to watch this, uh, you'll, you'll see oh, a Actually, on IMDb, apparently there is a DVD box set of this, or like a disc that has 11 episodes, but I saw it on IMDb. So, Joe, you now have a new grail to look for. Yeah, can you send me a picture of that later? I need to track that down. We'll uh, you know, the funny thing is, I don't know if this is to, co to correlate, but we mentioned earlier, if you watch it on YouTube, you see the little Chevy Chase promo, where first of all, they go, star of Fletch, Chevy Chase. Yeah. I'm a man who loves Fletch so much, but I'm like, that's the one Chevy Chase movie? You're not like, star of Caddyshack or so, anyway. It's probably the one that they had rights to air, like, so they probably already have, Baby, like, a licensing I mean, deal, yeah. That would explain, I watched, I watched Fletch and Fletch lives so much as a kid, they were on TV constantly, but... The, the show, this show, you hear after the commercial, it's like, coming up next, Tribeca. <laughs> so then I went to go do yeah. some digging because I was like, I also don't remember Tribeca. Tribeca was like a serious drama show produced by Robert De Niro, where it was like an anthology series where every episode had a different cast. And it's like Lawrence Fishburne and all these like serious actors are in it. And that also got canceled after one season. And I can only think... It didn't do well because its leading show was Daddy Dearest. Like, I can't imagine you watch Don Rickles just go on a racist tirade for 20 minutes. And then you're like, I'm going to watch Larry Fishburne do like a serious hour long drama. Like, there's no way those two things don't align. So one thing I thought was really interesting about the intro is that it fades right into the episode. So as the as the intro is like ending, it goes right into the first scene and like the music fades down and like you get the audience applause. After we see the World Trade Center. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of an interesting day. I couldn't think of another example of a show off the top of my head that does something like that. It's definitely a, an older, like, it would never really happen now. The hard thing with shows like this is I wonder if they did it every episode, if that was like a directorial choice they stuck with. But I don't know if you'll ever be able to find a way to watch any other episodes of the show to figure that out. Yeah. I did just send you a picture of the two DVD box set two disc set again i don't think that's real it's probably some bootleg but it's, it's out it's there real. i'm looking at it now really? it's an official Special. release yeah it's it's yeah. Less, it's a rare dvd apparently i've been reading of, that's why i haven't been talking i've been reading about it. all right any listeners out there have a copy or a lead on this uh, hit me up 
to start the first scene, we meet Stephen Mitchell, who's played by Richard Lewis, and he's walking out of an office with a patient. And it seems like he's a psychiatrist from what we can gather early on. So there's a gag where he tells that patient that although his wife is entitled to her opinion, personally, he likes the shoes. And you see as the guy walks off that this patient is, that he's seeing is wearing like red high heels. I was like, I, I, I don't know. For an opening line to the show, I thought it was like, I don't know, kind of corny. I appreciate doing a visual gag, though, too. At least they gave you something to look at. It wasn't just like a, I won't tell them what you said in the other room. Yeah, It's a bad joke, but at least it plays. It just seemed like a dated type of humor. And that's kind of my thing with a lot of this episode is the jokes felt like they were written 20 years prior to when this show came out. And this was 30 years ago. Yeah. Like they didn't, it didn't feel like 90s or even early 90s style comedy. It already felt like dated for the early 90s. Yeah. Again, though, we talked about it a minute ago, but Fox really just kind of threw everything at the wall at this era. This is like secrets of magic revealed. And then like this show. And then I remember (laughs) they premiered the first 15 minutes of Goldeneye. Like the next year, they're just like, do you want to see the beginning of the new James Bond movie? Fuck, here it is. Right. It's a big deal. Right. Like they would just do the weirdest stuff all the time. Like we covered Are You Being Served a while ago, right? If that same gag happened on that show, you go, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> and it would fit right into that yeah. show. You know, you wouldn't even bat an eye. I mean, just in, that's also just a very British joke, I think, yeah. too. Hey, speaking True. of British, did you guys get uh, Fraser vibes from this show? No, no, I mean, he's a psychiatrist. Him being, him but... being a psychiatrist and then his dad moving in with him and all this other stuff. To be honest, I didn't put it together. I mean, I could see it as you say it. Like yeah, you say it, I'm like, like yeah. oh, yeah. I didn't get the vibe till the end, which we'll talk about later. But when he's in the session with the things with the patients. And uh, the dad comes in. That's when I, I got extreme Fraser vibes from it. The way he was talking to the uh, his patient with patients, clients. I patients. think patients. Also, the brother who doesn't want the dad to live with them because of his wife. Like that's the same thing mm-hmm. as Fraser. Oh Niles. yeah, that is. Is this before Fraser? Yeah. Um. Is it? When did Cheers end? Ninety three. Yeah, this is before Fraser. Huh. I think Cheers ended ninety three. Okay, so then they're right on the heels of one another. They're close. I don't think they're very far apart. I think Fra- I thought Frasier was 95. Well, now I feel the need to look this up, so. The beauty of editing. So Frasier Frazier started in 1993. Okay. So, so this is fact, Fox's answer to Frasier? Is Richard Lewis and Don Rickles? Uh, oddly enough, so this, so this episode came out September 5th, 1993. That one came out September 16th. So, but so a mere predates. eleven, yeah, eleven days later, the first episode of Frasier came out. Maybe that's another thing that did not help this show. <laughs> they had a successful doctor show. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, "Wait, um." Now, question: It's odd that, like, we saw this with the monsters. They had like two competing monster shows, right? Like with right. the Adams Family and the Monsters, Fox, and I assume I don't know who did Frasier, but I believe NBC. NBC, Cheers, I believe. NBC. Yeah. Okay, so do you think that executives, like, go to, like, bars or parties and then talk about, like, oh, this is a show we get coming up, and then the other network is like, well, we get a counter with our own psychiatrist comedy show of a guy that lives with his dad. Like, it just seems too coincidental. I'm sure there are. They hug in the bar. Jeff, you wearing a wire? (laughs) There's definitely... (laughs) times where i think big projects get leaked and people try to beat the other one to the punch but also there's just coincidence involved you know what it could be too is uh, maybe these pilots get made and they get pitched to different networks and they're like oh, i like the idea but i don't want to buy the show 
I think, too, with, like, Richard Lewis's comedy was always so heavy, where he's like, oh, my psychiatrist is telling me right now, my psychiatrist said to me that, oh, my psychiatrist, my psychiatrist. So I'm sure someone, when they were figuring out, like, a vehicle to do for him, were like, oh, he's the guy who always talks about going to therapy, let's make him the therapist, right? Like, so I bet it was probably coincidental to, like, the same way that, like, you know, Tim Allen talks about tool stuff, we'll do a sitcom where he does this. That's probably what they were thinking, right? Like, we're making a sitcom around a comedian, and this is what he does in his act. So it seems like this patient was his last of the day before he's like heading out for the night. And as the guy leaves, he asks his secretary, hey, do I have any messages? And we find out he has multiple calls from each one of his parents. His mom and dad both called like three times each. And when the other psychiatrist that happens to work there that comes out, some girl uh, asks why he's avoiding his parents. He says that if I call them back, they'll have nothing to do tomorrow. That, um, that girl, the other psychiatrist, I feel like early on got the vibe that they're going to end up in a will-they-won't-they. They. I don't know yeah. if the show had enough time to breathe, but I kind of felt like he's supposed to eventually end up with this girl because she's kind of, like, grounded and it makes sense. And they're each other's work flirt. Not at all. You don't think she that? She was in it for, like, two seconds. But it's the In pilot. this episode, yeah. Yeah, Frazier ended up with uh, his producer, and she was in the pilot for, like, five minutes. Yeah. But I didn't get that vibe from Frazier either. So then, so then you are not a good gauge of this. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a three to one there, Gordy. So he tells her that he needs to run off. He has a date with the stewardess. Old term we don't use anymore, which I never quite understood why that became a dated term, but who am I, I to say? I don't get that either. I don't think it's dated as long as you use stewardess and steward. No, it's flight attendant across the board now. It's non-gender. You know, I understand. I'm saying I understand why they do it. I don't think we need to bring that back. I'm just saying, though, it's weird to me that you always, people would always say, like, male flight attendant, or people would say, like, male stewardess, right? Like, it was like a, a joke. People didn't say, like, steward. Right, but even if it was a female and I was on a flight and I was like, excuse me, stewardess, like that doesn't like that you don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. Also, any real person just like grovels like, I'm so sorry, excuse me, excuse me, hi. You know, like say what gender or what their name, you just like, excuse me, hi, I need help, I'm so sorry. You just kinda... I was going to say at the same time, I don't go, hey, flight attendant. Right. Excuse yeah. me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding. So yeah, so he has this date and that other girl mentions right away that He's been divorced for only six months and he's already dating a stewardess. And what a cliche that is. Kind of like forced. It, well, no, it was like forced to just mention the divorce thing to kind of get that in there. But that's a lot of shows. They're trying to sneak in the premise without it seeming like yeah. unnatural dialogue. Same thing with the next scene where he's like, did I mention I have a kid? Yeah. <laughs> As she breaks the Ninja Turtles van. And then he makes like weird jokes. Like my thing with a lot of this was there's a lot of one-liners that seemed really forced. Like, so, Richard Lewis is saying things like he doesn't want his baggage moving around during the flight. This did not play well. And then also the, she brings new meaning to my cab drive through the tunnel. Like, what it- That sounds like something I'd say. It's a joke about the Holland Tunnel. Yeah, like, I, I just don't get any of these jokes. Well, the joke is that in New York, there's a tunnel called the Holland Tunnel. So, but what's the funny, like, why is that funny? He's talking about going into her vagina. Capus's oh. dick. Oh, I was I was joking. That's really the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's really the joke. He's making a Holland Tunnel joke. He's making a joke about her vagina having sex with her. Well, that doesn't sound appealing. Love Tunnel. That's like an expression from... Yeah, that's, like, that's where he's going for. I'm not saying it works. I'm saying that's the joke, though. If you know what that tunnel is and you're familiar with New York geography and that she's Dutch... Is that the, is that the Love Tunnel? What did you think the Love Tunnel was? I didn't think it was in New York. There's a lot of vaginas in New York. I don't know what you're talking about right now. What is thinking of the tunnel of love? I know I am, but I thought Joe said that the Holland Tunnel 
was equated to the tunnel of love. So I was like, I didn't know if people in New York thought that that tunnel was like the tunnel of love. And I was going to point out that that's kind of weird. No, it's because she's Dutch. It becomes, I was, the the expression love tunnel is vagina is vagina. Him saying her tunnel, the Holland tunnel. I was saying that's it. Oh, it's a bad joke. Let's move on. Yeah, we can move on. But I was was gonna say, can we can we get past this? I'm gonna say, if that's the case, maybe we could have like the Sumna, the Sumna love tunnel. Yeah, impossible. I I don't want anything to do with that. Well, in any event, uh, the next scene is Stephen and his date, and they're entering his house like post date, and they're both like moaning before they get to the door (laughs) or before they turn the lights on. And he's also moaning in, like, a faux Dutch accent. Yeah, like, what the fuck was the noise he was making? He's doing Dutch. He's going, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just get canceled by the Dutch. Oh, we have Dutch listeners. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be bad. Yeah. I was just say that's the noise he's making. He's doing yeah. a fake faux Dutch accent. So as they step inside, uh, Fergie mentioned he immediately steps on his son's turtle van and, like, tosses it. Was that the pizza-throwing one, or was there a different turtle van? No, that's a that different one. This one's one. later. I know when I was a kid, I wanted that the the pizza tossing one so bad, and my mom would not get it for me because they used to put out the most dangerous toys list every year before Christmas, and every well, year it was on the shoes. list. Yeah, so every year yeah. it was on the most dangerous toys list, so I never got to have the pizza launcher. I got the pizza launcher as a kid, and then I shot my dog with it, and my mother promptly took it away. From and this me. is why I didn't get to have one. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have it either. I had the playset that was the sewer and then the street on top. It was like two levels and you can go down the manhole. I had the tech okay. drone. It was right, awesome. Right. I had the blimp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the blimp oh, yeah, one yeah. too. I will say too, though, I did look it up. I was like, okay, Reliving Childhood, how much would it cost to buy one of these vans again? The party van. Usually the old toys like that sometimes are like bonkers expensive. If you just want one in like decent condition, like 50 bucks. Ninja really? Turtles. They made so many Ninja well, Turtles. Well, they remade almost everything recently. So there's a good chance that there's a lot of repro ones that like came out. Um, they like redid all the old toy line. I want the pizza launcher again. That and though there was just so many of them. There's no rarity, so they're not hard to find. Yeah, you stumble across old Ninja Turtles at like thrift stores and stuff. All the good yeah, it's like the first the set. I think like the the original Turtles and stuff like go for a lot of money. Like the first run of them, but then. The explosion of them, there was so many. So yeah, like Ferg said, they just started mass producing every line after that. So I thought the only ones that are hard to find that are later are the ones from the third movie where they have like the weird spots on them. We because, don't talk about the third movie. Yeah, because nobody wanted them, so they didn't make a ton of them. The one that were there on time? Turtles yes. in Time, yeah. AKA the Turtles movie that doesn't exist. I could have <laughs> sworn I had the, the, the Raphael in the Samurai outfit. You may have, I mean, I'm sure I had one or two, but like those ones that come up, don't come up that often because they just didn't do well. That movie did terribly, right? Oh, yeah. No, it Nobody wanted the turtles in feudal Japan. That wasn't the fun of the turtles. No, I wanted a movie like the Turtles in Time video game, which was awesome. That was a good video game. But also, every Turtles movie, continuing to this day, has been diminishing returns. True. In this show, though, I don't think they got the rights to, like, turtle, like, say turtles, because they just call it, first he calls it his son's truck, and then when he finds it broken late, he goes, Dad, my new truck! Yeah, there's like a visual cue, like in case there's a kid watching, at which point I'm like, if you've got a kid watching, get them out of the room. They should not be watching this show. <laughs> yeah, true. So he's like talking like way too much in this moment. He's like rambling on a lot as they're like getting ready to fornicate. And she's very, very kind of like, I don't know, what's the Horny? word? Yeah, but also 
like ditzy in a way. It's like, shut up and kiss me, Steven. I want you. <laughs> like, she's like the most generic, void of personality like character. Why even go up to the bedroom if that's the case? Yeah, no one's home. Just go sure. on the couch. Yeah. And when she takes when she takes off her coat and he's like, oh, you're going to have me. Did he not come off Trumpish when he said that? <laughs> I, thought, I thought he sounded like the Donald when he said, oh, you're going to have me. That literally does sound like I couldn't sleep last night. And I watched like every replay of every new show until like four in the morning. I fell back to sleep as so I watched like all of the coverage of the current Trump trial. And it very much sounds like that. Where it's like. She took off her shirt and the room is like, you're going to have me like, it's so fucking perfect. You're like, I don't know. It sounds right. He's so easy to write for. <laughs> she tells him, I want to do everything you've ever dreamed of. And he says, well, in that case, I'm going to get a ladle and some Armenian string cheese. What? So wacky. Yeah. I looked it up, by the way. So Armenian string cheese. I've never had Armenian string cheese. I was okay. going to call. I've got Armenian family. I was going to call my sister-in-law and be like, what is this? But then I would have been a long conversation. I could just imagine somebody, you calling up like a long lost cousin and being like, hey, it's cousin Joe. Can you talk to me about your Armenian string cheese? Like, why? Because of Don, because of racist Don Rickles. They're like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'll say this. I love me some American string cheese. So me too. Armenian string cheese, I want to try now because it basically comes in like, it looks like big league chew, like tobacco, right? It's like pushed all together. When you pull it apart, it looks like little strands of licorice. Like, it's not like big. You know, you take a stick of string cheese, you think of how that pulls apart. Yeah. It's yeah. not like that. It's like a giant ball that you pull, like, spaghetti cheese strands out of. Well, that sounds fun. It looks kind of interesting and fun, yeah. Yeah, I'll try it once. If I, now if I see some in a store, I'm going to grab some. Is it readily available? Yeah, I mean, it was everywhere when I looked it up. There was, like, so, reviews that were like, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Hannaford's, like, every grocery store, like, had it. I go to Trader Joe's all the time. I never see our main I have a Whole Foods right there. by my house. I never see it there. We'll have to keep an eye out moving forward. There is a huge Armenian part of Boston, too. Is it maybe in, maybe in Brighton? I forget where. But there's a section that's very Armenian heavy. It has like Armenian stores in it. It's probably in the... Belmont is. Where? Belmont. Is it Belmont? Yeah, I think it is Belmont, yeah. My, uh, my old boss was Armenian, and that's the only reason I would know that. In any event, string cheese aside, he then runs upstairs, and we get to his bedroom, and we're in, like, it lights out. Now we see the bedroom. They're going into the door. He tells her to be gentle because the last time he's with a woman, he was getting nutrients through an umbilical cord. I laughed really hard at that, though. I love the idea of the last time I was with the woman, I was in the womb. I literally laughed out loud at that joke. I love Richard Lewis's humor. It's just too much. It just, there's no setup. It's like, they'll just say anything. And then he's just like, here's a wacky one-liner. And it's, I don't know. It was just way too much of that. But the <laughs> then we get Steven's dad, Al, played by Don Rickles, sit up. And screams at them because he's trying to get some sleep. This is basically if you're trying to make a sitcom of Don't Wake Daddy. This is what the opening <laughs> scene of that sitcom would be. Don't wake Rickles. And Steven has no idea why he's there. And he's telling him to leave. Meanwhile, the stewardess is trying to go home because of the sudden turn of events. And Al screams, look at the size of those things. And we, my friends, are off to the races for the rest of this episode. Don Rickles wakes up. He don't wake daddy's me. He mentions the Dutch girl's boobs and get ready for the next 20 minutes because it is a roller coaster. She was not even that chesty. No, they're not. No. She didn't have big tits. I looked. <laughs> I just love the dichotomy of how Jay says it and how Ferg says it. I'm consciously like, how do I say this in a delicate way? 
Don't worry, man. I'm here to make you look good. <laughs> Thank you. I will say the actress plays Ingrid, though. We will probably see again. She is on a show we've talked about a number of times that we'll eventually cover for sure. She's one of the main teachers on USA High. Oh, okay. We've talked about USA High. A it's come of up. Times. I wouldn't say like a lot of times, but it's, it's definitely a couple times. Yeah. Well, Joe made it seem like we mention it every week. <laughs> it's not Bob Hart Abishola. She's not on Bob Hart Abishola. <laughs> I'm Abishola. I'm your new teacher at USA High. <laughs> they do the reboot. I'll... Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Networks, where are you? Get us in the writer's room. So, um, anyways, there's a lot of chaos going on and yelling back and forth, but ultimately this girl runs out and she's leaving. Steven tries to like chase after her for a second, but he stops in his hallway upstairs, proclaiming that he's had the condom ready since Thanksgiving. Again, I say, huh? Like, I don't... Jokes are just so forced. All of them. They're trying too hard. Also, why didn't they just go bang in another room? That's what I'm saying. Like, well, I think the dad kind of made him out of sex mode. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that went... The, the penis went down. But I will say, you know why that joke really doesn't work? You can't give yourself an arbitrary time joke. When you don't know the time you're in. Right. Because this could be the day after Thanksgiving for all. Right. We have no idea yeah. when it is. So if you were like, it's Christmas and you were like, I was saving that condom since Thanksgiving. You'd be like, okay, it's been a month. He hasn't had sex in a month. It's not that long. It doesn't work. But we have no idea when it is. You're not outside at all in this show. I mean, if we're going by original air date, then we're talking 10 months. But he's only been single for six months. So like, yeah, I don't think it doesn't really work. That said, though. Getting divorced, end of a relationship, probably not having much sexual relations towards the end of that. Al says that it's probably for the best because she looks like she was a screamer. And we find <laughs> out in this conversation that Al was thrown out of the house for making a bad investment and lost all their retirement money. And now the house is also being foreclosed on. <laughs> Steven's like, well, why didn't you come to me? He's like, I did. I'm here. It's like, well, yeah, not now. Beforehand, maybe. So Stephen asked his dad if he told his brother, but apparently Al didn't want to bother him. Uh, the brother's name's Larry. We meet him later on. And he says that this is what Stephen gets paid for anyways. During the conversation, uh, Stephen's eye is starting to twitch. I think the idea that he's stuck with his dad right now, and it's getting to him. I don't think we needed that, that level of physical humor here. I thought that was the most subtle joke that's happened so far. It's yeah. Twitch. And he tells his dad that he's calling his mom and that they're going to work all of this out in the morning. Al says that the last time he saw her, she was outside on the lawn tearing a rabbit apart with her teeth. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> she's like a beast. She's yeah, she's a dog. <laughs> it's a lot of, again, it's, it's a line and then a joke and then a line and then a joke. It's all like set up to punch, set up to punch. So Al runs upstairs again. He tells Stephen that he's sleeping in his room and that Stephen can sleep in the room with the cowboys or whatever in it. Steven says, okay, but don't scratch any of your body parts while you're in there. And then Al just makes some like weird gesture on the stairs. Like, ur, ur, ur. like what is this? Why is this? <laughs> he does that a couple times, like random gestures, like the background. And I'm just like, they make yeah, me laugh, true. but they also make me roll my eyes. <laughs> yeah, both. They're both just, they're funny. I mean, like, I, I'm dying as we're watching this. I will say I, everything Don Rickles does like just tickles me. I think he's so fucking funny. He's funny. It's it's just a lot of the a lot of these jokes. If you make it a little less raunchy, like the style of dialogue is like set up for the '60s. Like it doesn't feel like a, a '90s show. Like you're just ready for him to be like, "Why I oughta." I think he does that at the end. 
I mean, the big thing, I don't know if anybody here is like a big Don Rickles fan. I've like heard his Maybe. records or like watched any of his like full, full sticks. You have Fergs, you know. Yeah, I've seen the thing, Yeah. The thing he's always done, though, his, his whole way of getting away with it was I make fun of everybody equally, including myself and people just like me. That's what that last scene of this is where he comes in, he goes on for everybody. You know, like that's what Don Rickles always did. Yeah, but it just doesn't work now. You know what I mean? Like you can appreciate it and be like, I get why this is funny and I understand the time. But it also plays very differently now. I listened to an interview recently with Jay Leno where he was talking about how like they had to cut out segments of Don Rickles on The Tonight Show towards the end of his life because they were like, this just isn't going to play. Like, we get that he's just doing his jokes that he always did and doesn't mean it. But like times have changed. Can you imagine? He'd be miserable in today's world. Miserable. Oh, Don yeah. Rickles couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't come out and do. But then again, you do a show. Get I think a job at, for South Park. Yeah, I mean, you can be a comedian who does stuff like that. I mean, he would always do residencies at, like, casinos and stuff. And you know who you're going to go see when you see Don Rickles. It's not like, you know. Was he big with the uh, Dean Martin roast? Yes. Or was that a little bit before his yeah. time? No, no that was, was, like, exactly his time, yeah. That was his bread and butter. That's where I remember seeing him a lot. Yeah, like, the biggest thing for Don Rickles would be he did all the Dean Martin roasts, and he was one of the big guest hosts for The Tonight Show. He's like, you know, Johnny Carson okay. would take a week off. So, like, the big guest hosts were, like, him and... um. God, what's her name? Joan uh, Rivers. Like those are the big ones oh, who'd always be on because okay. they're funny and they're quick and they know everybody and they can you know keep the crowd entertained. And then CPO Sharky, which is definitely a show we'll do someday, but I'll space it out so we don't double up on Don Rickles, which is a pretty funny late '70s show where he's like the commander in the Navy. Uh, yeah, can you give us like a, a a month or so to get some listeners back? Funny like this funny or actual funny? <laughs> Joe's face says it all. <laughs> And for those of you just listening, he's just stone-faced. I will say, here's a little behind-the-scenes stuff. So when we all make our picks, you know, we all kind of like, there's a lot that goes into it sometimes. Essentially, we all just kind of pick the shows we want. Sometimes I'll look at the landscape before I make my pick to kind of fit so we can have all diverse shows. But when Joe picked this, I had to deliberately sandwich it in between two bigger shows or shows I thought would have a good audience so we didn't tank our listener base because i just figured uh-oh we're gonna lose him here so we need to have to we need to pick me up for the following week i'm not gonna disclose next week's episode yet just in case something changes but snow it's big come back please yeah. <laughs> hey if you've listened this far as we are 40 minutes into the recording you're sticking with us well yeah at this point for those who are listening yeah anyways to go back uh the next scene steven's in his living room playing catch with his son as where most father sons play catch <laughs> the kid finds his uh, turtle van. He's like, Daddy, look what happened to my truck. This kid cannot act. I no. don't want to. I don't want to shit on a kid. I'm sorry, but this show as a whole has the worst children actors I've yes. ever seen in my, my life. Li- like, yeah, listen, I'm not gonna hold the kid accountable in that. Like, he was replaced after the pilot. Was he really? Was it? Okay, that makes sense. I was all I could think the whole time. I'm like, this kid auditioned. And other kids also went to the audition, and they picked this kid? We now know how the pilot got greenlit. It's like the producer's son. <laughs> he has three acting roles total all this year. It's two oh, TV 93. shows. I thought you meant 2023. Me too. I thought he meant now. Too. Oh, no, no, no. He stopped acting. He acted three times total all in 1993, this episode, an episode of something else, and then a very minor role in a made-for-TV movie, and then done. I would love to know where this kid is now, because he's like, Probably our age, a little younger than us. 93? No, he's probably right. Yeah, he's probably right around our age. What's his name? Uh, Jonathan Gibby. Jonathan Gibby. Okay, 
we should try and find him and get him on the show. I like how Gordo acted like he was going to do something with that information. He's like, okay, now I know his name. All you right. Get him on the show after <laughs> we shit on him. No, I mean, you know, we can we can have him on and, and talk about what it's like to work with Don Rickles. We don't have to just shit on the kid. Jonathan, at what point in your life did you realize that you weren't an actor? Exactly. When I got fired from my third job. Listen, he could be listening to our show and he could be like, this is it's my possible. time to shine. Maybe his parents pulled him from the show after Don Rickles called him a dummy broad. And he was like, all right, that's it. We're not letting this fly anymore. I could just see him being like, I haven't heard the name Daddy Dearest in forever. Except for when he's in, psychi- he's in the psychiatrist's office. Um, so Al walks in and asks the two how they want their hamburgers. And Steven tells him that we don't eat beef. And then reminds his son about the story he told him about the sad cow. After Al storms off, Steven asks his son about his sleepover at Brett's house. And he's like, oh, I had fun, but I wish mom still lived here like how Brett's mom does. Very unnatural. Like, it just didn't make sense. How was your sleepover? I wish mom lived here. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right. Did you have fun with your friends? How was work yesterday? I wish mom lived here. Like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I don't think it's phenomenal writing. It's like they were writing to be able to do, like, jokes for Don Rickles and Richard Lewis, and then everything else was just like, uh, I don't know. Let's just get to the jokes. Well, they already had the joke at the beginning when it explained that he's recently divorced. So this wasn't needed, but the reason for this was to point out that he's recently divorced. I think the joke makes, I mean, not the joke. I think the line works, though, because then later, when you get the button on the end of the episode, when the burgers come up again, you get the callback to this, too. Because he's like, are you going to leave like mommy did? And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave. Like, I think it actually makes sense. I think it's better writing than you think it is because it is planting a seed. I don't think it's better writing than I think so it is. So set it up better. Don't just have him yeah. say it out of the blue. I agree with you there, but I don't think I don't think the there's a reason for it at least, right? It's, but because there's a payoff doesn't make it good writing now. That, that's all I'm No, saying. I didn't say it was good writing. I said better writing than you're giving it credit for. It's still bad writing. I would actually writing. argue, actually, I mean... That line at the end, I think, would be more impactful if he didn't say it beforehand. Because then you find out for the first time that it's a fear of his. Well, the burger thing has to stay, though. Also, it pisses me off that uh, he's forcing his ideals on his son, making him a vegetarian. Just saying. I don't think we know that he's a vegetarian. We just I, I don't think, yeah, just that's, that's, the ca- that's the cow story. It's because yeah. he's a vegetarian. Does he say he's a vegetarian? He doesn't use the word, but why would they worry about you know the cow getting killed? Some people don't eat red meat. Because beef is a uh, major drain on resources. He could be, yeah, he could be, like, just not eating red meat. He might eat chicken and everything else. I think the impression we're supposed to get, though, when I 93 is they don't eat meat as a whole. Uh, See, I I wasn't, I didn't think about it enough to figure out what level he was at. That's how I took it. I was more mad that he was making hamburgers and not cheeseburgers. Who the fuck eats a hamburger? My son. He doesn't like cheeseburgers, but he loves My sister, same thing. It always weirds me out when we're grilling. It's like, make one without cheese. Yep. Do they like cheese in general? Yeah. it's He just doesn't li- like cheeseburgers. He, mm. He'll eat it if he has to. He usually pulls the cheese off, but okay. I have to order him a hamburger wherever we go. I don't know. I just think that that's weird that he's making hamburgers and not like one hamburger, like a couple of cheeseburgers. I don't know. It just I'm sound, reading you know into why? it too much. Because this episode was written in the 50s or 60s, and back then they just said hamburger all the time. So. Yeah, you said like a hamburger with cheese? Yeah. Oh, Maybe Richard yeah. Lewis didn't have any cheese. Yeah. I mean, that's true too. Oh, Ferg. Goddamn. 
Maybe he's not a vegetarian. Maybe he's a vegan. He's not a vegan. He's, I don't think he's a vegan. There's no cheese in this house. He can't make cheeseburgers. That said, though, there wouldn't be beef either. So Don Rickles went to the store to buy the burgers. He probably would have bought cheese. So uh, this is what the kid asks his dad. Did your parents ever get a divorce? It's like, you know, your grandparents, right? Like one of them's literally in the house right now. So you're like, why do you need to ask this? Yeah. What a stupid question. Dumb you kid. Idiot kid. Wow, it's almost like you're a bad actor who won't work more in this <laughs> more than yeah. two more times. You know what? But to be fair, it's not the kid's fault. That it's not like the kid was was told to ad lib. The, the line was bad. It's you no, can't. No, it's a bad line. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he delivered it well, it still doesn't make sense for him to ask. So we hear a car honking, and Al runs back out to look out the front window, and says it looks like the Cadillac that he sold Stephen's brother. And then there's a joke about the bad alignment getting fixed, and then he says, "Who's that ugly guy in the passenger seat?" Like that's died. mom, dad. Die. I laughed. So died so hard. hard at this. That yeah. one I thought was funny. That yeah, one I thought that me. was funny. So now the door opens and we meet Larry and his three sons. And they all look like Pugsley Adams with different color striped shirts. Yes. Same thing. We're the they, same thing. Yeah. I was like, why are there three Pugsleys here? Yeah. yeah the Pugsley Adams from the from the movie though, the Yeah. The nineties movie version. Like the good movies. The rule Julia movie. All right, Al asks Larry, what did you feed them? Hog chow? <laughs> Another funny line. Like every That's the 90s funny. when you can call four children fat. Yeah, now this show would be canceled for so many reasons. One of them would just be like fat shaming children. You know what I mean? Like there's so many levels you just can't do anymore. There's a weird pivot later, but early on at this point, especially when you first meet Larry, zero personality. Like none. Yeah. And then it takes a weird flip out of nowhere where he becomes a different character like mid-scene. It was, it, it was weird to me. And following them, actually, we meet Stephen's mother, Helen, and it's uh, Renee Taylor, who you would know as the mom from the nanny, Fran's mom. Or Ava Braun and the producers. Yeah, but more importantly, the mom from the nanny. No, more importantly, she's one of the voices in Dr. Doolittle, which is Dr. Doolittle Part 2, which for some reason I always think of the line, what am I supposed to do without my cell phone? (laughs) Which is from Dr. Doolittle 2, and it's in my head constantly. I don't think that was Renee Taylor. Damn, that rap music. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Also a great Norm MacDonald voice actor role. I like Helen, by the way. She's a great character. She's not bad. So Helen asks what Al's doing there, and he says, I live here. And then Steven's in, like, shock to even hear it, and uh, tells all the kids to head upstairs. And then we get more bad acting from the son, who's begging his dad (laughs) to not have to go upstairs because his cousins always sit on him. (laughs) That that got me. I I knew that. I was like, this is where Gordo's going to laugh. Amateur move. So uh, once the kids head upstairs, Steven tries to make peace with everybody. Al says he's there to get in a few shots. Helen calls him an ass. And then Al makes a weird, like, drinking motion. He makes the best drinking motion ever. He puts so much effort into it. Where, like, when he does the, like, the pinky up thing, he, like, turns his whole body. He, like, yeah, really goes for it. I thought he would more act like a donkey in this. I didn't quite get the drinking. Yeah, I didn't think the drinking motion made sense in the context of what was happening. I could see him being like, y'all, y'all. Well, this follows up, too, with her saying cancer of the liver. So I feel like there's like a drinking thing theme here between the two of them. Well, yeah, because Stephen asks, what would it take to get the two of you together? And yeah, that's that was how she replied. Um, Morbid. Which I think the joke there is like, if I needed a liver transplant. That would bring them together. It would bring them together. Like if I needed his liver. I took that as that she would need so much alcohol that she would give herself cancer. 
No, she would need a liver donated, so she would take his. I'm going to say this is another joke that doesn't quite land properly, so it's tough to know exactly the context, because they just snuck in a joke. There's a few of these, and I feel like there'll be a few more. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of the parents from Everybody Loves Raymond. There was a couple points I got Raymond vibes a few times on this show. Even, like, the early inkling of the brother until the brother turns into a different person a minute later. Yeah. I imagine the brother's much more of a character as the show goes on, because like you said, he like livens up and becomes a real person towards the end of this, but he's in the whole run of it, so you'd assume that like they must give him more to do. Yeah, but like early on in the episode when he first appears, his like his shoulders are up and his head's down and he won't talk and he's moping around. And then all of a sudden, like he sidebars with his brother in like a minute from you know where we're at right now, and he's just having a normal conversation now. It's like, where did this come from? I I don't get it. I took that as that's his reaction to being around the parents who lower his self-esteem and like make him like worried. And then when he's just with his brother and he really doesn't want him taking the dad home with him, he stands up for himself. Or, so yeah, maybe it's, or maybe it's all an act. Maybe in front of his parents, he, act, he acts like yeah, yeah. more helpless and dumb. So Helen's telling her kids that the only reason that the two of them had been together as long as they even were was for them. Honestly, a common and unnecessary practice. That would have made more sense, though, if. Richard Lewis and the brother were, like, in their 20s. If they were a little younger, yeah. It's like, you don't need to stay together this long. They are full adults at this point. Are they, though? Or are we doing the whole thing where they look older than we're giving them credit for? No, so, I mean, Richard Lewis is... How old is he now? Richard Lewis is 75. Richard Lewis is 75 right now. 1993, that was 30 years ago. So he's, yeah, 45 years old in that show. Okay. It's just that Boku makes you look young. Yeah. <laughs> once, they stopped, once they took Boku off the market, he started going downhill. So yeah, so he's, he's old enough. The parents could have probably taken off a little earlier. I think my parents split when I was about 12 or 13, and they stayed around a little bit because of the kids. And uh, I think even at that point, they're like, okay, they're old enough. <laughs> They were like, oh, we'll, we'll ride this out for 30 more years, and then, and then we'll cut ties. I guess a time like that, too, though, where it's like, if you're thinking about it in, like, the 70s and 80s, and, like, she's a little older, like, harder, getting a job. Like, I feel like there was, like, a weird fear for some breakups back then more than others, because people felt like they, like, wouldn't be able to start over the same way. But people, yeah. like, stuck it out longer because they were, like, afraid of the unknown more than, right. like, it's an easier path now to be, like, Let's just get different jobs and move away and get our own places and, like, we'll figure it out, which was, like, in our lifetime. That age, that time, she was probably just a housewife, so she probably, you know, if they did split up, she didn't have a job to go back to or anything like that. Yeah, she's 60 here in real life. And as cold as Al's been towards her since, like, the moment he saw her, he does, like, apologize for what he did, not in, like, a sincere way, but kind of like, all right, I'm sorry. He's like, what do you want me to do, rob a bank? And Helen's like, no, it's not about the money. It's like, I, I finally want to be free and experience life. I want to have multiple orgasms. Yeah, they ah. lost me here. Joe, is this, were you excited at this point? I'm not as disgusted <laughs> as you guys are, but no, I was not excited, but I'm not offended by it. Like, you guys all made grimaces. No, I wasn't offended. I wasn't grossed out. It was just more forced. It felt forced again. It does yeah. feel forced, yeah. And if I was Steven, I would kick my mom out of my fucking house at this moment. Like, get the fuck out of here. We are not going to talk like this in my home. She lost me, lost me with the O-spot thing. <laughs> but he's a psychiatrist, and that's why it works well, because as a psychiatrist, he's going to listen to everybody and all the stuff they say and not judge, push them out. So when you write a character who plays that job, same thing with Fraser, right? You can have all this insanity going on around him where typically they would push people away, 
but their natural instinct is to like listen and try to help. So you can kind of put these characters in different situations because it's more realistic that they would stay and listen than if he was like, I'm a truck driver or whatever, you know? When she mentions that she didn't even know she had an O spot until she was 58, uh, is that a G spot? I always knew of the G spot. Is there also an O spot? I think the G spot and the O spot are the same thing. I think O spot just means orgasm spot. Okay. It makes you go, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Oh, Show her her O face. (laughs) She said, when she yelled that a lady on the bus had to tell me, I thought that was funny too. She she is a good actress. Yeah. Yeah, She's great. And that would have only been two years before this because that's when she would have been. uh, Yeah, the nanny's like soon after. She says, is good sex before I drop dead too much to ask for? (laughs) And Al's like, why don't you drop dead and we'll find out. <laughs> I, again, there are lines that I think are funny. That one, that one got me. <laughs> so you know why? Good. Because that was a joke with proper setup. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The joke. Yeah. That was setup delivery. Perfect. And then again, cause it's joke after joke. Steven's now like, well, there goes my sex life. So like, I guess I might as well become a priest. And his dad's like, Oh, that's not a bad idea. I, he- I heard they've been getting a lot of action lately. <laughs> What? <laughs> this is the first time where I was like, oh, we're going, huh? We're really going in this episode. And this is when, like, the priest scandal stuff was, like, first starting to bubble up, especially where we're from. Yeah. It's like there was 15 a week you were hearing about like, at this time of the year. Like, all the stuff with the cardinal law pushing people out of the places to hide it. Yeah. I Not hate that I don't topic. believe in an afterlife because I really <laughs> want Cardinal Law to be getting a pineapple shoved up his ass like Hitler every single day. And I hate that's not a real thing in my brain. We'll find out eventually. All you gotta do is believe. <laughs> I mean, I will believe for that. Don't play Hitler's harmonica. It's Hitler's harmonica. <laughs> so Stephen's trying his best to get everybody to calm down, but it's not really working out. And we find out Helen has already made plans to live with his sister. Upon hearing that, Stephen assumes his dad's gonna move in with his brother who is shaking his head no. I hate the brother at this point. Because he's just like, he's a mute at the time. He was looking down again. He's, he's made no words. At the same time, Al heads to the kitchen and Helen goes upstairs because the cousins are, as expected, sitting on Stephen's son's head. And this leaves the two brothers alone. And that's when the brother becomes a totally different human being. And Stephen doesn't want his dad there because he's trying to live a single life now. And argues that, Larry has a family and it just kind of makes more sense for him to be there in that surrounding. Larry says he can't afford it because Al blew all his money after he blew his own money and that his wife is never going to forgive him and want him in their home. This is a great genuine plot point. Why can't the brother do it? Why is the brother all fucked up? Oh, he gave his money to him too. Like this is actual real writing that kind of weirdly shines through here. In all fairness, why should the brother have to? He's got three kids in the house and a wife. He lives, he lives alone and has his son sometimes in a giant house because he's a doctor. It's like, fuck you, you want your single life. I, well, well yeah. I will say to, to defend Steven a little bit, I can see how he's, he's looking at it as, like, I have my kind of privacy and whatever. You don't have it anyways. So this doesn't make it much different for you because you already live in this environment. So it, it affects my life more greatly if he comes here, then it does yours. I, I guess would be his angle. Oh, man, that's another mouth to feed. Yeah, and you see the size of those ham hocks? Is he the Undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. See, I can set up jokes just like they can. Poorly? Yes. <laughs> All we did was talk about how poor the deliveries are in these jokes. Like, look at me, just as good as them. Still got it. Hey, they got greenlit. So, Steven says he wants to be able to 
make love on the kitchen counter. Well, he didn't do that the other day. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, you've had the opportunity and you insisted on using the bed, you square. This here, though, another good setup delivery. They put, like, two right in a row here. Yeah, because then the brother's like, oh, like, we eat off those plates. And then, like, you have the father walk right in, like, with a plate of food. Like, so it gives you that, like, mental connection. Like, that worked. That worked very well, I thought. Don Rickles eating a sex sandwich. <laughs> so to stick Al with Steve and Larry's like, come on, mom, kids, we're coming downstairs. We're going to leave. <laughs> we find out as, as they're running downstairs that, uh, Helen was sitting on one of the cousins to uh, retaliate <laughs> for him sitting on Stephen's son. I don't even remember the kid's name. Danny? Pugsley won. <laughs> but I mean Stephen's kid. I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, Stephen's kid, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with Danny. Why not? And when they all leave, Al tells Stephen that Larry's a good kid. Larry. And that he should be more like him. No, Larry is Larry. Larry's the brother. Al tells Stephen that Larry's a good kid when they leave. He's like, your brother, he's a good kid. Did we miss the part with the... The crazy aunt she's going to live with? No, I brought up that she's living with her sister. I just didn't get into the, the specifics of it. That she's crazy because a TV fell on her head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those CRT TVs weigh a lot. I got to chop a line here and there, guys. <laughs> so I didn't get into all the aunt dialogue. <laughs> but uh, to, to go back with this whole thing when he's saying like, oh, you know, your brother's a good kid. You should be more like him. If I was Steven, I'd be like, get out of my house. I am taking you in. He will not take you in. And I'm the one who has to be more like him. Get out of my fucking house. I mean, you can't talk to your parents like that. And he doesn't want to shatter his image of his brother. But why is he protecting the brother? I feel like the brother's sticking him right now. And he's like going out of his way to like protect him. You see, he protects his brother later, too. It's because he's empathetic to people because of his job and his character. Like, they're, it's the pilot. They're trying to show you who he is. You know what I mean? How he acts. Well, later, I don't think he's protecting his brother. I think he's protecting his father's feelings because he knows how he feels about the brother. And then the truth that, comes that's out. That's true, yeah. And there's like, um, that scene closes with a, like kind of a quick moment where you see Al looking at a photo of him and his wife that's like on the mantle. And it's like, oh, dad, what's wrong? He's like, oh, nothing. It's uh, your mother's perfume. It smells like a landfill. <laughs> so, I mean, you can see that um, they are showing that he's, he is sad about the situation. He hides it and he masks it with jokes, but. He does want to be back with his wife. From that tough old generation that it's not cool to show your emotion. Unless it's hate. <laughs> they love showing hate. As Tom Nichols <laughs> will explain in a few moments. <laughs> literally, the next few moments. Yeah, literally coming right up. I would say this is the first uh, two-thirds of the episode. We're now going into the bottom third. And holy guacamole, Batman. Strap in. It gets wild here. This, there's a lot of stuff. That it's almost like, just the thought of, like, talking about it is like, oh, God. So, yeah, so the next scene, <laughs> we see Steven in the middle of conducting, like, group therapy. And Al runs in to confront him over something that he said to Larry about him. And then one of the patients goes, hey, get out. Dr. Mitchell, he's not in the group. Another terrible actor. I hated that guy. The first guy who talks. He's not following the rules. Yeah, he's exactly <laughs> the like rules. From the Welcome Back Cotter episode, if you haven't listened to that yet. 90% of the people, there's a couple people in this scene that you recognize, right? Who are in the circle, who are like actors you've seen a million things. But like, no, 75% of them, the guy who's the cab driver, you had seen him in a billion things. Gordo, I don't know if we can use you as the gauge. You say, no, I didn't recognize anyone. You didn't. We had to explain to you that Joey Lawrence was a human being who is alive and existed on Earth not long ago. So. But you thought you knew who he was, and when we showed him to you for 40 minutes, you didn't believe that was him. I still don't. I thought he was a guy from 7th Heaven. 
Well, yeah. So exactly. This is this is why. <laughs> but yeah, most of the following the rules people here have like one acting credit total, and it's this scene. And I think that's no shit. Not surprising. So the secretary runs in after Al, apologizing to Stephen, saying, "I tried to stop him, but he ran right by me." And Al said, "So did the allies." Um, <laughs> number one. The secretary is of like an Asian descent. We're assuming Japanese by the comment. By the comment, but he's miss. But he's racist, so he he, he misses he misses on one of these later on too. So and by future comments, uh, she could also be Chinese. Yes. Um, one dude in the audience fucking lost it at that joke. Yep. <laughs> you could hear him like, oh, you, like you hear him like, <laughs> like oh my god, <laughs> he couldn't believe it. There's there's a couple people in this too who laugh after the joke still. Where like a couple of beats have gone on and you you hear the silent like trying to hold the chuckle but they can't help it sort of thing. It's like you hear like <gasps> like they're like, trying to like press it back down. <laughs> like Don Nichols comes out and just destroys. This is basically just him doing a roast, right? Like this is him yeah. obliterating a room in Vegas. This is why they gave him the show so that he could just unfetter do shit like this. This scene, this scene specifically, was set up for him to just fucking unload on people. I guarantee you that every single episode has a scene like this in it with Don Rickles. Well, if someone buys the box set DVD, I guess we could find out for sure. I'm on it. <laughs> Steven tries to excuse himself from the group for a moment so he can talk to his father. But one of the women in the group remind him that, you know, you always tell us that you should express your emotions as they happen. Maybe seeing you do it would be helpful to everybody. And the gentleman next to her adds, you know, it would certainly help me. Al cuts him off by saying... Mind your own business, Aladdin. By the way, Seven <laughs> Eleven called, and your camels are blocking the aisle. No. Later on, he tells them that his falafels are burning. <laughs> You're so fucked up. <laughs> he starts real small with Aladdin. <laughs> you just fucking builds. It's so bad. Oh my god. Like if he just did the Aladdin thing, you'd be like, uh, okay. And then he's yeah, like, that's kind of fucked nope, up. yeah, that's just that's just the lube. Get ready. The perfect button for this joke too is after he goes Aladdin and you're like, oh shit. And then he says 7-Eleven and you're camel and you're like watching the TV like, oh my god. They then cut to the actor who's making an oh my god face. His <laughs> eyes are so wide. <laughs> I can't believe the amount of racism roast that just got thrown at him just like the audience can't. Holy shit. 90. <laughs> yeah. So the group takes note of how worked up Steven is and they're encouraging like just talk it out in front of, you know, in front of the group. So he has his dad sit down and has him join everybody. So Alex to the guy next to him and he's like, so what's your problem? He's like, he's like, I can't get enough sex. He's like, oh, get away from me. Damn Japanese. He's like, I'm Chinese. What's that better? And he goes, oh, I'll make you feel at home. Hey, uh, table 27, no MSG. Oh, fuck. Oh. Uh, yeah. That, so the no MSG joke, I would say, is over the line, obviously. I actually thought the only thing I thought was, as far as funny racism goes, I guess, when he goes like, what's that better? Like, his... Like that honestness, yeah, the honesty of yeah, he's so racist that to him one's not it better doesn't than matter. the other. Yeah, this is also a weird time where like MSG kept coming up. This is probably the same year that we have the whole Seinfeld thing with Kramer will only order no MSG. And if you remember, we always talk about the Hong Kong Dragon growing up, our favorite Chinese food place, and where you guys still frequent today. For years, they had an 
MSG with like the Ghostbusters circle and the line through it in their window. <laughs> yeah. So like that was a big deal at this time. Not for nothing though. Uh, not, I don't want to get too off topic, but fuck Larry for telling on him. I'd like it just hit me now. Who he kept protecting? Why would he tell him he said that? Yeah. So after the MSG joke, the woman in the group tells him to, you know, will you just stop so your son can work? You know, he does a really good job. And I forget exactly what he said to her. It's essentially just made like a fat joke, right? He said, oh, he did yeah, a good job with you. And, lady. Yeah, I made a joke about the vertical stripes she was wearing and basically compared her to, what, like a circus tent? But don't you wear vertical stripes because they're slimming? Mm, yes. You don't do horizontal. You're not supposed to do horizontal. Yeah, this will make you look slim and taller. This makes Steven finally flip out, and he goes off on his father. And Al tells him, you know, Larry never talks to me this way. He's like, well, let me tell you something about Larry. Larry doesn't even want you in his house. He considered painting the house so you couldn't identify it. He said he didn't want me. It was like the one time Al was, like, sympathetic throughout this whole episode. Like, he gave, like, a serious delivery for that line. I thought good acting for non-Rickles here. Yeah, Steven instantly feels guilty now, and he's trying to, like, backpedal. He's like, Larry loves you, Dad. He's a great guy. Like, no, he wants you. And that's when I was like, he's a putz. He's like, why do you think I baby him so much? Because I like him? I want to protect him. And then he tells Steven, you know, you've always been able to do things for yourself. He's like, me and your mother made a lot of mistakes, but you turned out pretty good. You know, you turned out real good. It was, it was, like, it was like a little bit of a heartwarming moment. You get the nice father-son moment. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then. Which immediately cuts to, why didn't you ever tell me anything? He's like, I don't know, maybe you're retarded. <laughs> I fucking sp- I'm not joking I spit out my drink on my work computer <laughs> oh he says why didn't I know any of this the, that, that's why I said why didn't and then I he doubles it? down though it's what he loves doing in this he says something you get shocked by it and then he like goes in for the kill he's like you had an awfully big head when you were a kid like <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ oh god yeah <laughs> so now Al's like you know what I'll leave don't worry about me I'll survive and as he's about to leave Steven stops, he's like, don't go. And he's like mumbling it because he doesn't want to like, he knows he has to tell him to stay, but he just can't bring himself yet. But eventually he's like, no, you can, you can live with me. Like, but you know, there's going to be some rules. No cracks about the women I date. He's like, I can do that. No mocking my job. I can try to do that. And absolutely no interfering with how I raised Danny. Uh, no problem. I'm going to change. I really am. Just keep me away from that <laughs> pork and Benny Hanna over there. And he goes, isn't that right, Dunga Din? He fucking throws a Gunga Din reference and again doubles down and then plays the like Indian <laughs> British World f- War flute thing from the movie. Like, oh my yeah. god, Jesus Christ. And he just goes, uh, Steve goes, I'm doomed. So in the next scene, uh, we're back in the living room and it's Stephen and his son again. And uh, Danny goes, I like grandpa living here, daddy. It's sort of like when mommy lived here. Just keep doing it. Yep. That's why I actually put the note in my phone. This kid beat other kids in the audition. And Al walks in and tells the kid not to sit like that because his legs were crossed. Says, do you want to do Judy Garland impressions at the <laughs> Rainbow Room? Fuck me. <laughs> was there a point where they just didn't give him a script anymore and they're like, just say shit? I think it must be. Probably. I mean, That's probably how they got him on the show. Because this is all Al Rickle style humor. Like, it's not... These are all Don uh, Rickles Rickles jokes. Yeah, Al Rickles. Yeah. Al Rickles. Find the character. He's Al, yeah. No, but it's all Don Rickles-style jokes. It's not... Like, I don't think this is the voice of whatever writer. So they definitely like... And then Don Rickles says some Don Rickles shit. No, there's no way. Yeah, I'm sure they gave Don Rickles and Richard Lewis, like, outlines for these scenes. And they were just like, 
Don's just going to go off and you react to it and we'll keep the ones that work. Like, that has to be how this went. There's like no con. There's no contract. It's, yeah, I'll do your stupid pilot, but I get to do my act. Right. It's not like Tom Rickles ever needed the money. He always was working. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he had to do this to stay relevant. And we're like two years away from him making all that big Toy Story money. True. So also when he came out, he had some burgers on him. Steve was like, you know, we talked about this before. He's like, what happened to the eggplant that I made? And I guess he just threw it out, which Good now man. he's gone too far because I fucking love eggplant. As Ferg and I have noted on this show plenty of times, Disgusting. eggplant is a bastard, bastard plant. It is a chicken parm cock block and it should not exist. Eggplant's delicious. It's just a different thing. It's like you have to just like. It wants to be chicken parm and it fails at every step. I am with Jay on this. It's good in a mixed vegetable, a mixed roasted vegetable. As eggplant parm is good on its own, I've I've bought many eggplant parm subs. Terrible. Beet chicken parm would be nothing. Right. And I love vegetables. Do you not like veal parm? Is veal parm no, something you have like a problem with? I don't like veal parm either. Well, then you fucked up because veal parm's really good too. Chicken parm is the only yeah. parm, Ferg. You and I know. That's right, baby. You guys need to open up your horizons and try to parm different things. You guys are living in this one lane of parm. You can parm whatever you want. I mean, I'm, I'd say there's probably like limits to it. If like, not that it would be bad, but if I came over and you're like, hey guys, I made beef parmesan, I'd be like, huh? <laughs> like that it'd be a little weird but if you made you know if you made some beef cutlets and toss some cheese and sauce on it, i'm sure it'd be delicious uh, the only other palm i'll do is an old palmer you know an arnie parmy arnie palmy which would not taste good as a beverage with a chicken parm mm. no you'd have to go lemonade heavy you would no that's gross you not like lemonade i do but not with my chicken parm i mean you don't dunk it <laughs> like, Gordo has very sensitive teeth that he has yeah. to dunk his parms before he chews them. Oh, that sounds so refreshing right now. Yeah. <laughs> what an Ani Parmy now. Uh, as uh, as we, I'm drinking the uh, the Polar Seltzer Raspberry Lemoncello. We talked about Ooh. this, I think, off air a couple weeks ago. So having one at the moment. I have the strawberry lemonade right now that I'm drinking. And every time I take a sip of it, I get a little confused because strawberry shouldn't be spicy. It's very confusing. Gordo's drinking a coffee that it looks like he bought eight hours ago. Before we recorded, I had a big cup of milk. Yeah, I'm drinking a Dunks, dude. You are the only person I know who just drinks milk. And what like, with just... my cookies? Wow, you are 37 years old. <laughs> <laughs> You're just home eating milk and cookies like Santa Claus. That's it, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go eat your fucking eggplant parmesan. I'll enjoy my delicious cookies and milk. Live your life, Ferg. I'm on your side. You legitimately, you an adult man, for dinner tonight had milky cookies. (laughs) I had raviolis for dinner. That was dessert. Judge your lemoncello. It's good. It's seltzer. So uh, Danny takes a bite of the burger. He goes, these are great, Grandpa. He's like, of course they are. Your, Your father used to love them when he was your age. What happened to the sad little cow? Steven's trying to remind his son so he doesn't want to eat the burger. Grandpa said the little cow's a wuss, and then all the other cows beat the milk out of him. <laughs> beat the milk out of him into Ferg's glass. And he's like, he's like, don't, don't worry, he doesn't even know what that means. And that's when uh, you guys brought up before, Danny says to his grandfather, you're not going to get sick of us and leave us like mommy, are you? And Al says, nope, I'm going to be staying here forever and ever. And then Stephen, at the realization of that, grabs a burger and uh, has a bite because he's given up on life. I thought a good ending. Seeing Richard Lewis grab the burger, I thought was kind of a good. It has a strong ending, yeah. That it, yeah, that was fine. I did. Ah, uh, uh, the kid again, just because like the delivery, 
you're not going to get sick and, uh, and leave us like mommy, are you? It just he it was just so it was really tough. He he took me out. I think in this one instance it was on purpose. Yeah. Nope, because that's his only way of delivering any line. But but again though, it's the pilot and they replaced him. So and we see right. that a lot in shows that we cover, right? Well, recently, that with a lot of show we've been covering. I mean, D- DJ and Roseanne, that's a real weird pilot. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All of, all of the cast of Blossom. <laughs> yeah, the majority of Blossom. The acting was okay in Blossom. I think the older brother was a little weird. These are all episodes you can go back and listen to. We've covered Roseanne, Blossom. We've covered over 100 different shows. So you can go and check those out. Uh, so if you're new to us, go and check those out. For all you Daddy Dearest fans who are finding us for the first time who haven't listened to any other episodes, please go back. And please reach out to me, because obviously if you're a Daddy Dearest fan, you've got good taste, good style, and we should be friends. And if you're any of the Daddy Dearest fans on Earth, if any of you have ever bought that box DVD, can you just rip it and put it on YouTube or Daily Motion so there's a better quality in existence somewhere? Yeah, or like send us discs or something. I'll pay for shipping. Did you check Daily Motion? Uh, I don't recall, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, but that's the whole episode. Not a lot story-wise. It's pretty cut and dry. It's classic sitcom, really basic kind of in and out. Just kind of the origin story, not much to it. You know, parents break up, he's living with his son now, quick uh, quick little work scene, and then uh, we kind of go home. I would say anything else to add on, there's not a lot of notes on this show, like even if you try to look it up, so I don't really know what you guys would have. Yeah, not much, just one year, one and done. I mean, again, everybody did, for the most part in this show, right? Like, you've got the nanny after this richard lewis has always been very successful i want to say either this year or the next year robin Hood and tights comes out rickles is always going to be working r.i.p you know and again toy story and all that stuff came out so he always had a, a pretty big career is this richard lewis's first sitcom no i think there's an 80s one too when they were giving like every comedian a sitcom i'd have to double check on that but i think he did one more before this i wouldn't be shocked if he'd done one before like i said he was 45 at the time of this show so Okay. I would assume, like, you know, he already had, like, a nice little run up until then. Okay, I didn't know if this is, like, the first time that they're fully giving him one, or if he, like, maybe did a couple of guest spots here and there on previous ones. Because I know he's more of a stand-up comedian. This, too, though, is still in the first few years. I mean, like, we're less than 10 years into Fox as a network, their whole run. So a lot of people who did stuff on the major networks, like CBS, ABC, NBC, in the 80s and 70s, Oh, here we go. Went for like a second life on Fox because it was a different place. So looking it up now, he starred in a show called Anything But Love with Jamie Lee Curtis. Add it to the list. It ran for 56 episodes. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, I had a decent run. Kind of surprising. I never even... 89 and 92. Oh, my God. What's it called again? I'm adding it to my list. Anything But Love. Kind of surprised that um, I never even heard of that considering it had like a bit of a run. It was also in Hiller and Diller. Well, there's a lot of, like, one episodes he did. Like, he did seven episodes of a show called Harry. I don't know um, much about that. Isn't Harry the show with Harry Stone after, Harry Anderson after Night Court? Oh, Harry and the Hendersons. He was Harry. Uh, Top cast is Matt Craven, who played Bobby Kratz. And Alan Arkin. Nope. Um, It only went for seven episodes. I feel like Harry Anderson had a show that was also called Harry, maybe later in the 90s after Night Court. He was on something called Anything But Love. That's not what you're talking about, right? That's the one That's what the, I brought up earlier. Jimmy Curtis. Okay, yeah. Four seasons. Crazy. Is that a sitcom? Um, we'll find out. I mean, I, it, it must be, I assume so, but um, we'll look yes, into it. This is 1989 sitcom, four seasons. Okay. So, on the list. Oh, it's on the list now. No! <laughs> yeah. Well, that one went four seasons. 
and that's Jamie Lee Curtis in like a sitcom role, which would be interesting to see. But I didn't know she did any television. Yeah, me too. That, that's why I'm a little surprised. I'm not not Mean Girl. She she was um Jess's mom in New Girl. It's the only other time I remember her being on TV. Yeah, but that's all, that's like in the world where now it's acceptable for film actors to be in television again. That's true. It's not you're not considered a failure if you go back to TV now. Right. Yeah, it's totally changed. So yeah, I mean, guys, I, I think we pretty much captured the whole episode. Uh, we kind of breezed right through it. Like I said, pretty cut and dry classic sitcom. So um, not much left to do other than the green light or cancel. I'm going to remind everyone Nick's not here. So if we find ourselves in a tie situation, go to our Instagram, S1E1Pod. And at some point later in the week, we'll put up a graphic that'll have everyone's vote. So you'll know officially. But um, the four of us will vote right now. So I'm going to go in the order I see you in. Joe, you're first. Yeah, so I picked this just with no knowledge of it except for the cast, right? And I love classic sitcoms that follow the classic sitcom formula. This has some problems in it. There are some problems in shows we've done before that are probably worse than this. And obviously they changed some of the issues, right? Like changing the sun out to an actor probably was a little bit better. I would assume. Hopefully we'll find out if we can ever find other episodes. But it's basically just Richard Lewis and Don Rickles get to play around. It, you couldn't do it now. It's a different time scenario. But I laughed so genuinely hard at so many things in this. I enjoyed every second of it. This is a very easy green light for me. Gordo. Yeah. It didn't have good writing, but the acting, I feel... I'm, I'm like, really torn because, like Joe, I laughed knowing what time frame this is in, right? But is that enough for it to carry over to make me want to see another episode. That's where I'm torn on. This was funny, but I don't know. Not knowing anything about the future run of the show, I can't imagine it's any different or the writing gets kind of any better. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna soft cancel it. Like, really soft. I did laugh at the end, but. You know, it's just going to be a it's going to be a very soft cancel. Just right on the line, just over the line for me. Ferg. Well, unlike Joe, I don't like racism, so uh, I'm going to have to give it the cancel. How dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> you took a really long time to <laughs> It didn't quite tick. I was like, what did he say about me? Oh, hey. <laughs> no, but. I honestly feel with a better writing team, this sh show could have got the green light. Replace the kid, a few other changes, but it's, the writing is so bad. I don't blame Don Rickles doing Don Rickles things. And he genuinely gave me a bunch of good laughs, but I mean, it helps knowing they replaced like the kid and hopefully brought in some like other people. But we're judging it based on just this one episode and what we saw on, in this episode. So based on that, I mean, it's got a good cast and stuff, but the writing is just atrocious. There's no setup for any joke. It's just, you know, rapid fire, see what sticks. And that doesn't work in a sitcom setting. You can't, you need a setup for a joke to work. So unfortunately, I'm sorry, Don, up there in, in heaven or down there in hell, but uh, got to cancel you, bud. Uh, yeah, so I'm going with the majority here. This is a cancel for me. This is not even a very soft cancel. I... It's a lot of the, the sentiment Ferg shared, I, I agree with. And it's just all these jokes. Anything I did laugh at in the episode was just like the shock of like a, a dirty joke. And there was no good context to it. Like, I, I thought the writing was really poor. I thought there wasn't great acting across the board. 
Like, Don Rickles was funny just being Don Rickles, and Richard Lewis's character wasn't that great. I didn't like the son at all. Helen was good in the 10 seconds she's in it. I hate the brother. So, like, there's just not enough meat on the bone. It was like a shitty Everybody Loves Raymond. It was like if you combine Frasier with Everybody Loves Raymond, and somehow it made a bad show. So, overall, yeah, I thought a lot of the things Don Rickles said was funny, but I just thought, as a whole, this episode was kind of trash. So, I'm canceling it, and that's three out of four cancels. Uh, So, regardless of Nick's vote, sorry to Daddy Dearest, but we agree with your network and Rotten Tomatoes, and we do not think that this is a quality show. Sorry, uh, you are canceled, but you have Joe. If I have to guess, uh, Nick is going to cancel it too, and my record of the highest statistic of the one person who passes his show yeah. when everybody else cancels it, those stats just keep growing. In any event, yeah, again, sorry, Daddy Dearest. That's the end of the road for you. So I want to remind you guys one more time, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to our social medias, where you can follow us, where you can listen to us, rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff on all different platforms. We love talking to you guys. Hit us up. We love uh, interacting with you guys. So, you know, keep chatting away and uh, we get back to you guys when we can. We love the suggestions you guys give us for shows. Uh, We've definitely done a few of them. So uh, in any event, thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week for a show hopefully better than this one. Hey. Thank you guys. Good night. I think we got the best ugly guy in the passenger seat. (laughs) 